Hi, and thanks for joining Interesting People for 20, where in each episode we'll be speaking with people who have stories that are inspirational, motivational, and often truly amazing. This 20-minute quick podcast is meant to be something you can listen to at lunch, on a break, or out for a short walk. We'll hear about achievements, setbacks, and the challenges you might not normally see. Just about everyone has an interesting story, if you ask. I'm Eric Cohen, your host. I'm an inventor, technologist, and sometimes cyclist, but most importantly, I love a good story, and I really hope you find my guests as interesting as I do. In today's episode, we're talking with Angela Gorn, an elite Canadian cyclist training for the world one-hour record in Mexico and the founder of Athletica, a startup looking to change the way athletes shop. Hi, Angela. Thanks so much for making the time to be on the podcast. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. So let's talk first a little bit about your world record attempt, and then we can talk about the startup. So unless you're a cyclist, you may not have heard about this one-hour cycling event. Angela, can you describe how the one-hour record works and where it's held? <laughs> well, I wish I could I could explain all of it, but I can give you the high level of the UCI one-hour and um, for those that are not cyclists, uh, let's just say that obviously I get the question all the time. It's called the one hour because it's one hour on the clock and it's the distance you can cover in that one hour. This is a full out effort for one hour um, to see how far you can go. And it really is a little bit of grit and determination and uh, a lot of crazy athletes. Um, I don't know why we go through the suffering. I say this every single time I think about it, I'm like, what am I going to do? It's becoming kind of like this prestigious uh, event for um, athletes, particularly the UCI is now recognizing it as something and, and getting their time trialists to go after it. But um, I'm doing it for obviously a really different purpose. I'm, I'm definitely a retired professional cyclist and I came out of retirement in 2016 and was supposed to do this uh, attempt in 2020. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. And my attempt was going to be May of 2020 in Aguascalientes, Mexico. So there's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited to see it back on the calendar now for July of 2022. Um, I definitely got a little bit older as Eric, you know, <laughs> um, I'm definitely not at the stage where I'm, you know, looking and I'm, I'm loving watching all the women's and men's races start back up in Europe right now. It's exciting. It's exciting to see women being recognized and, and a lot of teams doing this equal pay um, to support sports. And, and that's why I'm doing my one hour effort. I'm, I'm really going at it from a purpose driven campaign to elevate the conversation of getting more girls and women into sport and not just cycling, you know, sport in general, like let's get out there, let's have fun and find something that you love to play. There, there'll be Tour de France, new Paris-Roubaix, right? So there's now full, full on women cycling. Let's talk a little bit more about the event itself, right? It's held outside, inside. How do you control it? What are the, the logistics of yeah. the world record attempt? It, it's an indoor world record. So you're removing every single outdoor element you can think about, like the wind, the, the, the weather, um, so it's a, it's controlled, right? So that's the nice thing. It eliminates for every single athlete that's going up against that one hour pursuit. You're eliminating everything other than the person and the actual components that you have on the bike. So really you as an athlete and your team and your coach are making the decisions on what is the best possible position for you as an athlete, as well as what gear are you going to be riding on? And it's, you know, when you think about 
drag racing or you look at NASCAR and Formula One. And I think it's it's more relevant now because the last two years we've seen so many cool docu films come out, right? To see the importance of drag ratio and barometer readings and you know what tires do you put on on this type of a day. I think that really gets into the nitty gritty of track cycling, right? That's that is what this is going to be on. It's not on the road. It's not it's not on the hillside. It's not in the country. Um, this is in that indoor cycling arena. If you watch the Olympics, it's got a crazy angle, you, you know, 45 degrees um, and you're whipping around in a circle that's, you know, relatively small, like you're clocking 19 second lap times for the average female doing the one hour record. And for the average male, they're doing anywhere between 16.5, 17 seconds. It's incredible to watch. And you think how many hundreds of t- like times you got to go around in an hour so you know, I, I always think about it from, from a standpoint of a, what you're playing with and you can't really compare yourself to, in this case, like myself, I can't compare myself to the other women that have done it because each one of us have strengths and differences and our body types are even different. And that plays a huge, huge, um, consideration in the fact of like cutting out on that drag factor and becoming a the most arrow human being you can possibly imagine, right? <laughs> yeah, and just to show how close it is. So when Joss uh, Loden won the the world record very recently, her distance was forty eight point four zero five kilometers. What do you think her secret was to beating the previous record? What did she do <laughs> to go you so know what? fast? I definitely I haven't had the opportunity to talk to Joss and, and I look forward. I really hope I do. I'd love to involve her in the conversation like the other women. Um, but I, definitely from looking at her pedigree, I think her secret sauce was training at elevation and then coming down to sea level. We've seen, I'm taking the opposite approach. I'm, I'm right now at sea level in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, and I'm going to be going up to elevation in Aguascalientes, Mexico, which is where a lot of the world records, like where Victor Campanarts broke his, right? And also Victoria Busi, pre- predecessor of Joss's record attempt. So, um, and just, you know, harnessing some of that strength. She's a very powerful athlete. Um, I'm excited to see what she can do this race season for sure. Yeah. I also heard that she has very narrow shoulders. So for aerodynamics, she was very, very small yeah, to the wind. Yeah, very cut. So that's one thing her and I actually have in common, which is, which is kind of cool. I'm a very, uh, same, same idea. I always joke. I remember my mom, when I was like a young girl, she used to put shoulder pads in all of my shirts because that was the in style because she thought like, I have like seriously slanted shoulders. So I'd always go to school and rip the shoulder pads because I was so embarrassed. So now I'm like, look, the, the slanted shoulders. Come now, it's an, now it's yeah. an attribute. Now it might be the, uh, the feature yeah. that helps, helps people win world records. Exactly. So- it might be one of those features, right? I know you don't like to share your training. In fact, you're not on Strava, so I haven't been able to see how you've been riding, but your training can't just be riding outside and going for bike rides. You must have a very specific training plan. Can you give us some sense of how many hours a day or just some sense of what it's like to be training for something so specific? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on Strava. People can follow me. I'm just dormant. I I will be more active, especially um, come after July the 13th, um, when that record attempt is done, uh, I do miss being on there cause it's a real great platform. So shout out to Strava, obviously, cause they're going to be doing some really cool stuff with us. Um, as we start to launch a virtual Fondo after the record, but, um, in that sense, uh, quality training and quantity training. And I kind of like to say at this stage in my life, in my forties, 
Um, I'm really enjoying the focus that the one hour record brings. Like, obviously, if I was doing a road, a road um, race season, right, Eric, uh, I'd be putting in a lot of miles, I'd be doing a big base camp at this stage right now. If not, you know, it would have been previously, like even earlier, where I would be doing six hour rides getting out there. But Typically now um, with the record, you know, a, a workout that goes over two and a half hours is abnormal. Like that's usually one time a week. Um, I'd say my average workout is about two hours and that's from functional warm up um, to cool down. And I take those port parts very seriously. Um, definitely um, not because, you know, of being young. <laughs> so I think as you get older, as a, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, I really value some of that recovery effort that I need to give back to my body. So it's ready for the next day. And that's the thing it's, it's now it's not about um, every day hitting those hitting those numbers. It's it's quality every single day, and they're hard efforts. So it's not doing necessarily just the zone ones, I've got, you know, time under retention in the weight room, um, doing some functional plyometric work, um, a lot, a lot of weight. Um, so that that's been definitely different from the endurance riding that I've been particularly more used to. And then same thing, a lot of power output. So it's a lot of fun. Like I'd say every workout has about a, an hour of very intense work and in and around that warm up, cool down and recovery. And, uh, and that's definitely paid off. So, um, that gives you an idea like seven days a week now, not that seven days I'm pushing every single day, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's active and moving the body and also the mind. Right. So I think there's that balance as well, where I'm taking into consideration the mental health aspect um, of this training, especially two years extra added onto a record. You kind of need to take care of yourself in those ways too. So yeah. uh, it's, it's very much, uh, there's certainly the, the physical, the physicality of it and the power of it. But when you're in that competition, the, it almost it's almost 50 50 mind over uh your body so when you're maybe in the training sessions or when you think you're on this record attempt what do you think is the one thing that you'll just keep telling yourself over and over i know that when i do long rides sometimes i play a particular song in my head yeah <laughs> on on your record attempt are you going to be, be saying to yourself keep to the plan, keep to the plan, or don't go out too hard. Don't go out too hard. What do you think you'll be saying to yourself over and over during that? Oh one my hour? gosh, this is really funny. Like, and obviously Eric, you're a cyclist and you put in those hard miles and efforts too. you know, for those that are in any sport, we know what those hard workouts feel like. And you got to find that, that I call it like the magic spot. Right. Um, I don't know, like for myself, it, it can change. There's definitely days where I've gone out and to take away from the thought of the pain I could think about, Oh, I got to do laundry tomorrow. I know that sounds really funny or, Oh my God, did I let the cat out or something super stupid that just makes you think. But I think with the one hour, what I've been trying to really focus in on, and especially like, you're right, like the mind over matter um, stage, the, the first 30 minutes feels so good. Like that's the best part. Like at this stage, obviously I've gone out and I've done hour efforts and I'm up to doing thresholds like every single week that are at that and I laugh like the first 30 minutes feel like, oh, this is no problem. You do another 10, you get to 40, you're kind of going, oh, I'm not feeling so, so hot to try. And then it's like, it's about that 45 minute. And I think like Evie and Joss and all the, you know, Victor, like everybody can say this, like literally it comes down to that last 10 minutes. And I'll tell you, like, if you've ever pedaled through mud and it's really thick and you get stuck, like your legs, it's, it's just like within seconds, like you just feel like every second is a minute. And that's where, 
mentally for me, I start to think at that stage, what I've been working on is almost like when I used to teach spin classes, I go back to kind of breaking the minute down. Right. So it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to think about my right foot. I want to keep that cadence at the same, like on a track bike, it's nice and easy because once you got that momentum, like for an hour, you're just going to be keeping that speed. So for me, it's like, I know exactly how many pedal strokes I need to do to keep that 19 second lap time. So for me, it's going to be like, let's, let's just focus on the right leg for one lap. Then let's go and focus on the left. So all of a sudden what I'm doing is I'm just playing games with myself to get through two minutes all of a sudden. Right. And the next thing I'll know is like, okay, now we're going to focus on both legs three minutes gone. So I think for me, it's been, I've definitely been learning how to play a little bit of kind of like cat mouse games with myself in those painful last minutes of the hour. Cause I know it's going to come down to that. And um, sandstorm, which is an old, an old techno song that I used to love. Um, it's like an eight minute song that I used to play all the time in my spin classes. And it's just, it's really good. So I don't, I, I don't know about, I don't know about you, Angela, but I, I also taught spin classes for, for a number of years. <laughs> And I would create different playlists for each spin class. And what I found was when I wasn't spinning, teaching spin, if I heard the song on the radio or in the car, I would start sweating immediately <laughs> from hearing that song because that was one of my spin songs. Pavlov's, Pavlov's effect, right? It's like the Exactly. The <laughs> exactly. I want to get to your, your company, Athletica and Tap and Go. Clearly, the one-hour record and... The fact that you're a cyclist and I'm a cyclist, it's this is so much fun to talk about. But you're you're documenting your training and your attempt. And why are you doing that? What are you what are you hoping that will do? Yeah. Choose? So again, like the whole purpose for me doing this one hour world record is to elevate the conversation about girls and women in sport. And obviously it, it has become so relevant, right? In the last two years, as we've seen, you know, success out of Megan and U.S. soccer, the the women winning their court case two weeks ago about equal pay, right? I think there's been so many topics or USA gymnastics around the sexual misconduct in sport. We saw the same thing in Canada with Synchro Canada. So for me, I I really wanted to going into this, and I have a a great friend of mine, um, obviously, when 2020 hit, the, the world record became more than just going after a record. It became this platform to create a movement. And I, you know, shout out to Steve Haining of Creative, who's the producer behind Perfect or Podium, breaking barriers or breaking records rather and barriers for girls and women in sport, because what we've now been able to channel because of having two years to work on it is really a collection of incredible stories, empowering girls and women to the next level. And that's really, for me, it's it, the next chapter. I always kind of say, we can always look behind us, but you don't get anywhere by doing that. And I think a positive film or a docu-film, we're going to have the first season with six episodes, is going to focus on some incredible, powerful stories that really move people. And it can be, it's going to be family oriented. uh, And it's going to touch on some of those tough topics, but with a lighter experience. So it's going to have a fiction, nonfiction play. So it airs next winter, 2023. We've got some great uh, networks on board um, independently with Amazon and Comcast and Apple TV through a distributor. Um, and, and a lot more other networks. So excited to share a lot more. And of course, in and around the world record, we'll be, we'll be talking a lot more about that and some things that people can do to take part and help us with raising some of the funding. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I love those documentaries that show the sort of what leads up to the event. You see people, they break a world record or they have a great run or a great race. And you think, oh, that was so easy. What you don't see is all the work that leads up to it. So let's talk about all that work. As you describe what you're doing with the docudrama and the training for, for the one-hour event, 
let's remember you actually have a career <laughs> and you're starting, you're starting a business. Do you want to talk a little bit about Athletica and Tap and & Go and where are you in that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as noted, obviously for me, the one hour record is, is coming out of a retirement as a pro athlete and coming back into it for a short stint to elevate that conversation and put money back into supporting girls and women. But um, I founded a company in 2008 out of that last recession that really focused on youth and communities. Uh, we did a lot. It was, you know, early days of calling it an ed tech, but it was, um, it was ed tech mixed, mixed with a lot of financial literacy. Um, and that's really what fell and fell me into, I'd rather say that the payments or the financial services space. Uh, so tap and go in 2015, right after biking across Canada for kids, I was granted this incredible opportunity to really look behind the curtains of our payment scene. And it really, it, it wouldn't have happened unless I ran that school program that had the ed tech fintech play. And I just thought, interesting, like we pay so much every single day with our cards and our wallets and our credit cards. And that small business that we're putting the credit card down on is having to pay to get us and also pay money for that process or the transaction to take place. I just wanted to make it easier or simpler. I just, I absolutely fell in love with wanting to go into the early days of fintech. And so tap and go technologies, as you, as you mentioned to the listeners is that we're a technology company that powers a tool or a technology tool for payments and needle banking. And we can put a lot more money back into our customers' pockets by enabling that, you know, not having to pay overhead costs that typical banks would. But better than that, we've created a seamless marketplace that allows merchants and small businesses to come on our platform for free, like a Google or a Facebook, but they're relative to a specific niche or a specific community where people are transactioning. And that's where Athletica comes in. It's our first e-wallet and flagship program. It's focused on a customer like you, Eric, who's an active cyclist, loves to bike, obviously probably spends some money in that industry. Um, you probably lead an active lifestyle. Your family's probably invested in that as well. And it's our job to connect you with those brands that you love and you spend money in so that they can give you back some loyalty with some rewards dollars. And at the same point in time, that, that community effect takes place and we've lowered their cost to process that transaction every single time you buy something from them. So it's really an ecosystem that you know we haven't seen out of the neobank beforehand. It's it's kind of a merger of payment processing and and e-wallet customer acquisition. All right, so let me just make sure I understand this right. So me as the the customer, I'm into biking, I'll shop at different bike stores. I'm going to interface with Athletica. It's a loyalty program that helps me, helps the small business owner. And under that is the technology you developed for Tap and Go to basically enable this experience that, that I can have. Do I have that right? Exactly. Like when you think about it, like say you pull out your Chase Bank card or your Bank of America card, and what you've done is you've linked Athletica, Athletica Rewards to that. So for us, it's yeah, exactly that. Like people in the sport world, we want them to think, I want to link and load my Athletica wallet and have that connected to my bank account or my credit card that I'm using all the time. So when I go and purchase something in the marketplace, that's health and wellness, a part of our ecosystem, and now you're going to get kickback for that from that brand. So you're in the middle of fundraising. What does that look like? Do you show up to venture capitalists and say, hi, I'm Angela. I'm about to break this world record. I need some money for my business. Like, how do you, 
How do you, what, how does Definitely. that work? You know, I think uh, VCs, VCs are really, we're at our seed round right now. Um, and by seed round for those that are, are new to kind of like the world of a business, it's early stage. So we're a pre-rev company. We are launching in the next few months. We do have our MVP that's out right now. At this stage, I'm talking to family offices, um, angel investors, other people that have had successful exits. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of, I'm down to Florida in the coming weeks. And that's exactly what I'm going to be doing on stage is talking about my story and what I'm doing. And hopefully a few people in the audience fall in love with it and, uh, and go like, what can we do to help? We're a crazy bunch. Last question. This has been a lot of fun. If you think about an event or a person that's been so impactful in your life, that sort of keeps you motivated and going and pushing forward because Training is hard. Starting a business is hard. It has ups and downs. Is there something that keeps you going? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I definitely say like my mom's been my, my rock. If it wasn't for her being there as a young girl to support me through all of the, the, the passion that I had in sport and just saying, yeah, like go for it. She's never been the Debbie Downer on saying, yeah, you shouldn't. And I think event wise, you know, Eric, like I always look up, there's, there's an incredible mentor I've had since day one. And his name is Mark Roy. Mark for his 50th, which was also in 2020 was supposed to do an Ironman. He dropped significant amount of weight. And of course, like, boom, like no Ironman. So he has kept his training up for two and a half years and we'll do the Hawaii Kona Ironman in October. And he is truly an inspirational person to me in my life. And he's always been there whenever I have questions about business and or training. And he's definitely a motivator. Like I see the log miles he's doing. And trust me, he's doing a lot longer workouts than I am training for an Ironman. So. so nice of you to say. I'm sure he's going to appreciate it. And on that lovely note, I want to thank you for being on Interesting People for 20 and sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me, Eric. This is wonderful. Thanks again for listening to Interesting People for 20. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go to ipfor20.com to listen to more. Or you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Keep doing great things. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Interesting People for 20. 